Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. No cleansing, no beginning with God happens unless a person is aware of that. That's why it's so important in verse 6 when it says that they were, when they were baptized, that they were confessing their sins. Can you imagine that? As they were going down there, they would say, I'm a liar, I'm a thief, I'm an adulterer, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. As they're going into the water, they're confessing it. It's not like, you know, say, I'm a liar. You know, no, they're just saying it out. They're saying it. They're so filled with the, with, with the sense of shame and guilt and sorrow that they're just speaking out. of Now, so here are the people. They're coming to be baptized into the River Jordan, and they're confessing. They're saying all these specific things, that, that, that shameful things, horrible things, but that, that's, they're being honest. That's, one, that's the people. And then and John is, they're beginning baptizing them there. And then all of a sudden, John sees another group of people coming in verse 7. And when he saw... Verse 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his, genera- to, his, to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath of, uh, to come? So you look at this in verse 7, and it describes the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're coming, and you consider them, and then you look at the other group in verse 6. What is there that's stated? What is there that's stated about the people in verse 6 that's not stated about the Pharisees and Sadducees. They're not confessing their sins. They're not confessing their sins. So the people are walking in and they're like saying all these horrible things that they did. They're confessing their sins. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're not confessing their sins. They're just coming to be baptized. They're in line too. And this very much disturbs John. John is very acutely aware of sin. He's, a, he's just that type of person. He calls a spade a spade. He says sin is sin, even when it means he's going to get his head chopped off because it did with Herod. That's the way John is. So what is this? Why is this group? Why is this group? Okay, this group here, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, first of all, uh, let me ask you a question. Why do you think the Pharisees and Sadducees were there? Well, okay, first of all, the Pharisees, they taught the people to justify themselves. They taught the people that you are special because of your descendancy from Abraham. You are special because you're Jewish. And so what you need to do is to embrace your Jewishness. That's how you get accepted with God. I mean, as I told you, this, I was at this funeral last week for my friend Dorothy, and, and the rabbi, as I was listening to him, this is what he was teaching. He was teaching the people, oh, you need to embrace your Jewish heritage, and this will make you distinctly different and separate from the Gentiles. 
And if you embrace your Judaism, your Jews and, and so forth, then you're going to have eternal life and you're going to live with God forever. And he read from Psalm 23, and I, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what the Pharisees taught the people. Trust in the fact that you're born of the seed of Abraham because Abraham was, was good with God and you'll be automatically good with God. So this is the Pharisees. They taught the people to justify themselves because of their descendancy. And John, on the other hand, was teaching the people to accuse themselves. So the Pharisees are teaching justify yourself, and John is teaching accuse yourselves. Because John was really teaching along the same line that Solomon taught the people in 1 Kings 8.38, 1 Kings 8.38, where Solomon said, when it was at the dedication of the temple, it was such an important thing. And Solomon said about, he was praying for the people, And he said, Lord, what prayer and supplication soever is made by man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. What an interesting description that the Bible gives for the condition of man when he says the plague of his own heart. Uh, This is real heart disease. This is God's heart disease. This is God's description of heart disease of man. The plagued heart. What's a plagued heart? A plagued heart, a heart that's plagued, is a heart that gravitates towards sin. It's attracted by sin. A plagued heart is a heart that, as is described in the hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's the direction of the heart. It's a rebellious heart. It's a heart that, that, that is all we like sheep have gone astray. It means all we like sheep want to go astray. All we like sheep want to sin. All we like sheep are prone to wander away. And this is the issue when, when uh, Solomon says, any man which shall know the plague of his own heart. And the question really is, does a person know that? Or does a person say, no, I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good person. I I was. Okay, if a person is aware of that, then the person's going to be acutely aware that he's a dirty, rotten sinner. And he needs a cleansing and he needs a savior. So this is the description of the people in verse 6 as they're confessing their sin. And when this detail is missing from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It means that they weren't confessing their sin because they didn't, they didn't see themselves as having a plague of their own heart. They didn't feel any sorrow. They weren't filled with shame. They weren't filled with guilt. They weren't saying terrible things that they've done to themselves and uh, d- done themselves. And, and so that's what it is. So they wanted, the, the Pharisees wanted, as you said, to bring the people back. They wanted to gain favor with the people. And we have this, this picture of the Pharisees in Matthew 6, 5. Matthew 6, 5, when it says, when the Lord said, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are, for they, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. They make themselves very obvious. I remember a rabbi friend who came to my house and, and it was the time for him to pray and he, he wanted to pray facing Jerusalem. So that was the first challenge to figure out which direction Jerusalem was in from my house. I mean, I really don't have a marker there, but okay, now I know. Anyway, and so, you know, I said, okay, you want to pray? And I said, you know, well, look, look the, you know, the, this bedroom is free. You want to go in there? You can pray alone, you know, you know and, and be private with God. Oh, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be hidden away. He wants to be right in front of us all. 
and, and do this thing. Okay, this is to be for to be seen of men. For to be seen of men. You know, it's interesting that the root word, the, the Hebrew root, root word for Pharisee, it means to separate. It means to detach. That's what the word Pharisee means. Uh, a person who separates himself, is detaching himself. And this is the picture that the Lord gave of the Pharisees in Luke 18.9. Luke 18.9, when it says, He spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. See, I am separated. I am not as other men. I'm detached. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as his publican. I fast twice the week. I give tithes that all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a perfect description of the Pharisee. I am not as other men are. Extortioners, so forth. They separate themselves from seeing themselves as dirty, rotten sinners. So this really upset John. It really upset John. And so here you have these two groups. You have on one hand the, the people coming who have hit rock bottom. They're absolutely at the bottom. There's sorrow. There's sadness. They're confessing their shame and their guilt. And on the other hand, you have the Pharisees. They're not rock bottom. They're on the top of the mountain up here. They're very high. They, they, now John, he sees these two groups. He's got this group here that's rock bottom. He's got this other group that's on the top of the mountains here. And now he's going to fulfill his mission, which is in Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 4. 40, verses 3 and 4, where it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. There he is saying, repent. Make straight in the desert a highway for a God. Don't put an obstacle in front of God's way. Don't be with sin. And then it says in Isaiah 40, verse 4, the next verse, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The valley are the people over here. They're hit rock bottom with their sorrow and their shame and their guilt. And that's the, the, the valley there. And he's going to exalt this valley. He's going to exalt these people by, 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 cleanse, by getting them cleansed, by having them be forgiven by God, and to become children of God. So he's going to bring these up. But the mountains and the hills are the self-righteous, the high-minded Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's going to, be, he's going to make them low with his rebuke. Don't think that, that John the Baptist is saying, I'm writing you off, I'm consigning you to hell. That's not what he's doing. He's trying to help both parties bringing these up, but he's also trying to help these as well, the Pharisees, by giving them a strong rebuke and pointing out to them so that they can correct the problem in themselves, what the root problem is with them. And by the way, he, he, he doesn't address them as rabbis. He doesn't. <laughs> Do you know what the word rabbi means? It, rob means teacher. Rabbi means my teacher. He's not about to call them my teacher. Anyway, instead of calling them rabbi and my teacher, he calls them generation of vipers. It's a little different. All right. It's very similar 
to the term that God used in Isaiah 1.4, Isaiah 1.4, when he said, a sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, generation of vipers, seed of evildoers, evildoers. Now, this is the same term, generation of vipers, that the Lord Jesus used in Matthew 12.34 when he said to them, Matthew 12.34, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And then he went on in, in Matthew 23.33, Matthew 23.33, the Lord again said, You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Apart from that, they were in very good shape. All right, so John asked them, who warned you? Who, war- who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So he's very suspicious of their coming, and in essence he's saying, why are you here? Why did you come here? What is the fear that you have that drove you to come here? And, and obviously he's comparing them to the Sadducees and Pharisees. I mean, look at these people here. These people are confessing their sins. What is driving them to confess their sins? Fear. They have been warned. They have listened to the warning, and they have, they, they're, they're afraid. I've heard many testimonies of people who say, I, I received Christ because I didn't want to go to hell. I was afraid of hell. Preacher came and he talked about fire, and I didn't want that. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They're warned. Who warned them? Well, the person who warned them was the one when it, when it, who was described in John 16, 8. John 16, 8. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to warn of the wrath to come. Wow, by convicting of sin. The, person, the, the Holy Spirit warns a person that there will be wrath for the sin, for their sin. By convicting the world that the Lord Jesus is not in the grave. He has gone to the Father. Why is that an issue? He's the judge. He's the one who's going to administer the wrath of God. That's a warning. And then convicting the world that the prince of this world, the, ju- the, the, the devil, he's judged already. So the Holy, the Holy Spirit is, warns a person that you are heading right down the middle of the road to face the same judgment as the devil. So this is the one who warns the people. This is what, how we are described before coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians 2.3. Ephesians 2.3 It says, among whom also we had our conversation. And then it says, we were by nature the children of wrath. We had like the target for wrath painted on us. But uh, no one warned the Pharisees of the wrath to come. They weren't afraid of the wrath to come. And John, again, he looks at them. He says, who hath warned you to flee? In other words, he's saying these people, they're coming out. They're not sauntering out. They're like running out of a burning building. The fleeing, running away from the wrath to come. And so then he says to the Pharisees in verse 8, he says, Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. Show by your life that you're running away from the wrath of God. And so then John puts his finger right on the root problem in verse 9, and he says, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham too or for our father. For I say unto you, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. 
In other words, you're no better than those stones. So how could John know what they were saying inside of themselves? Which is what he's saying here. And it was because, again, the Holy Spirit reveals this to John. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit, as it says in Luke 1.15. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit reveals this to him, that the people are actually saying within themselves, well, we have Abraham to our father. See, this is a, the fool has said in his heart, he didn't say it outwardly, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It speaks about in Job 20, verse 12, that was Psalm 14.1, Psalm 14.1, but in, in Job 20, verse 12, it says, wickedness is sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue. He hide it under his tongue. So God, God has the stethoscope that listens to every heart, and he hears. He also hears the faith that's in the heart, as with the woman who had the issue of blood, in Matthew 9.21, Matthew 9.21, where she said within herself, if I might but touch the hem of his garment, then I shall be whole. I shall be whole. He also hears the proud. In Luke 7.49, Luke 7.49, they said within themselves, they were eating with him, they said, who is this that forgiveth sins also? He hears all these things. And so the Pharisees are just speaking within their hearts. They're not saying it openly. That's no problem for us. No problem for us. We're going to be saved because we're the descendants of Abraham. That whole issue with hell, that's for Gentiles. They made it up, it's, but not for us. And, but, but Abraham had two sons. It's interesting that Abraham had two sons. He had the sons of Isaac, who followed him in his fear of God. And he had the other son of Ishmael, who said, I don't need any, I'm not, Abraham's God is not for me. And there was a time in John 8.39, John 8.39, when the Lord Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees, and they answered, and they, they finally just said it outright. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now, he did not contest, he said, I know you are Abraham's seed. He did not contest that they were Abraham's seed. But he was drawing a difference there between Isaac and Ishmael. Both are the children of Abraham. Both, are, they both have Abraham as their father. But one is a child of Abraham because he follows in the footsteps of Abraham. That's Isaac, and another is not. And he's saying, I know you are the seed of Abraham. I know that Abraham's your father, but you're not the children of Abraham. You're not the children of Abraham. Just like I remember... So you need, you need to be saved. It reminded me of my, my lost aunt that I brought to a meeting at the San Diego Convention Center where John Hagee was speaking along with some local rabbis. And, and so I knew that John Hagee had a heart for Israel and I thought, great, I'm looking forward to the meeting. And, and some of you were there too, I think. Anyway, John Hagee said in that meeting, Jewish people do not need to be saved because they are the descendants of Abraham. That's what he said. I remember practically falling off my seat I couldn't believe it. And then it was no wonder to me how afterward the rabbis got up and said, we like John Hagee because he doesn't try to convert us. And he just gives millions of dollars to Israel without trying to convert us, so they like him. By the same token, no one is a Christian by birth. Only by regeneration. And if a person puts trust in the fact that they're going to go to heaven because they're a descendant of Abraham, if a person puts trust in the fact that the church, the church, the church. I'm a member of this church. 
Those are lying words. Those are both lying words, what God described in Jeremiah 7.4. Jeremiah 7.4. Trust ye not in lying words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I'm associated with the temple of the Lord. I go to the temple of the Lord. Those are lying words. And so then John, he sets them straight with these words, I say unto you. In other words, instead of listening to your heart, then saying within yourself, you are the, the seed of Abraham, you are descendants of Abraham, I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. In other words, God is not limited by, by your birth. He can make stones, the children of Abraham. And so then he says something very sobering in verse 10. He says, and now, not future, but now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, this is a picture of an orchard, of a tree orchard. And the farmer goes out and he's picking the fruit off of tree by tree. And all of a sudden he comes to a tree, there's no fruit. And he says to himself, there's no fruit. Isn't this the same tree that didn't bring fruit last time? I can't remember. There's so many trees here. I can't, I can't keep it straight. It looks just like all the other trees. I know what I'll do. I'll take my axe and I'll just make a big mark at the base of the tree on the roots. That way, next year, next harvest time, when I come around to these trees, I'll look down, I'll say, that's the same tree that didn't bring forth fruit. Why should it take up this space with the ground? Chop it down and put in another tree that's going to bring fruit. This is the picture that John the Baptist has brought to, these, to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he said, now the, the axe mark has been put at the root, of, at the base of your trees, of you as the tree. And God's going to give you just another opportunity, another go around. But when he comes around, it's going to be a time when finally he's going to say, that's it. There's been no fruit from this tree. It's an absolutely useless tree. It's taking up the space. Cut it down. Very sobering. And I oftentimes think of this when I speak to rabbis, and I've told them this too, because it's not just, oh, well, they're rabbis and they talk to Jewish people. So I've told them this, and I see it this way, that you have a congregation of people. You are responsible. You are eternally responsible for the spiritual state of those people, rabbi or no rabbi, temple or no temple, synagogue or no synagogue, Chabad or no Chabad. You personally are responsible for these people. You are leading them. And I tell them, I said, if, if for no other reason, because of your responsibility before God, you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to bring your people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of the fact that you were born in a line of famous rabbis and, and cantors, your name might actually have been Kantorovich, as mine was, because you were from a line of cantors. doesn't matter. You are responsible. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying, look, these people, as you said, you know, these people, you are leading them, you are teaching them, you are responsible. And so he says, if you don't bring forth fruit to God in, in your own lives and in the people that you're leading here, God's going to remove you out of his orchard because this is his orchard and this is his ground and the trees are his planting. And he's going to say, okay, that's not what I had in mind. So this is very serious when he says this because he's actually saying you are already marked for destruction like the trees. Judgment is right around the corner and there's no time now to hesitate, but there is time to change. There is time to change. Either the tree bears fruit and it continues 
or it's cut down for firewood. That's what he's saying. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the faithfulness of John the Baptist. We pray, Lord, that we, Lord, would also see John as our great example and be faithful like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 